Hello, everybody, and welcome to Volume 2, Issue 88 of the Cana Rinse Podcast. Borrowing elements from Thief, Deus Ex, Half-Life, and more, Arcane's Dishonored debuted in 2012 to critical acclaim and word-of-mouth plaudits. But was it actually any blinking good? Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, James Carter. Sneaking my way into podcasts every single week, it seems. Pondcasts? Pondcasts. I pondcast, yeah. Don't you? Okay. (laughs) Jay Taylor. Howdy. And Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Uh, not much to talk about with the histories of this one, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought, but we'll, we'll do it anyway, uh, for the sake of tradition, if nothing else. I think it's important to know sort of contextually when we played it, how soon before the podcast, how many times we played it, that kind of thing. Um, just wanted to say, going into this one, based on what I know about you fellas and Dishonored and our correspondence, I think we've got a real broad range of opinions on this one. Maybe not the absolute extremes that we might have had on some, but everything in between but we'll find out we'll see uh josh did you buy this at the time play it before last christmas or did you catch up with it a bit later um i i i knew about this game on the run-up to release and it was definitely a game i had my eye on but it wasn't something i was super excited for so when the reviews started coming out and everyone was saying oh Dishonored is really good Mm. I kind of waited for a while because I was like okay it's definitely a game I'm interested in but I'm not quite you know that excited to drop 40 quid on it I'll wait for it to be like 20 quid on PC and sure enough a month later it was like 20 quid on uh, some you know those game key sites that always discount their games Mm. um and I, I kind of slowly made my way through it. I didn't, you know, complete it that weekend or anything like that. I, I worked my way through it over a few weeks, and in many ways, that's probably the best way to play this kind of game. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, I have I haven't really got much else to say on it, to be honest. So played it on PC. Um, difficulty level, uh, normal. And uh, what sort of play style did you favour or? Super stealthy. Of course. Okay. And uh, James, what about you? Same same question. Yeah. Um, this was a game that I knew about uh, well well before its its release. Um, when people started talking about uh, you know the the influences Thief and Deus Ex and Half Life, which is still one that I scratch my head about, to be honest. Um, I that pricked my my ears right up. So I it was actually the first game that I put on uh, my new computer, my gaming computer, when I got it last October. Um, I actually bought from one of them their gaming key sites. I bought the key when it got dropped to about I think it was twenty pounds, uh, maybe a couple of weeks after release. I picked it up before I had my PC even and uh, got it installed, and it was the first game I put on just to see how it looked. Um, but I didn't actually get around to playing it until uh, mid December. No, uh, around Christmas time, and I completed it uh, on the first of this year, first of January this year. And uh, difficulty level? Uh, difficulty level, I seem to recall was you don't have do you have you don't have access to the very hardest difficulty no. when you first play through. No, the game. you have so access it, to easy, normal, hard, or whatever they're called. Yeah, so yeah. I, I went on hard, but not the the super difficult. I can't remember what it's okay. called. That you unlock so and hard yeah. and yeah, super stealthy, zero kills, zero alerts was my uh, <laughs> aim. Although I'll talk a little bit about more about that later. Yeah, and this could certainly affect one's experience of this game. Oh um, yes, yeah. 
Jay, you played it more than once, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think the interest in this came about, only came about when, when I watched um, a YouTube video. And it was one of the game designers was talking about the ways you can approach a, a, one particular mission, which was the uh, the Golden Cat one. And they played it. They, should, they had two videos where it showed the, how, you know, one playing it a stealthy way and the other playing it uh, more combat orientated. And it was at that point that I was like, okay, I'm really interested in this. Um, but I didn't buy it. I, I rented it uh, from Love Film at the start of the year. I think it was February when I got around to playing mm-hmm. it. And uh, really enjoyed it, but you know, which platform so, was that on? PS3. Oh, that was a PS3. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, as as you know, I've said before, played it on easy. Yeah, so. yeah, your normal thing. So you started yeah. on easy. Did you work your way up? Yeah, I, I, I think I only ever played it on easy. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I, I need perhaps I have to go back and look at the trophies, but I don't recall playing it on any of the harder settings. I didn't. It wasn't what was getting out of the game, which you know. Hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to that. Yeah, I, I bought it on launch day, but it was the same day as um, XCOM came out, Enemy Unknown, which we've already done a podcast on. You can find that issue via the website or on iTunes. can't remember which number it was off the top of my head. Um, and I'd been excited about that game for, well, not that long, because it hadn't been announced long before it came out, but from the moment it came out, I was dishonored. It was more of a last-minute thing. Um, mm. I looked up, I think, it, there was already some sort of comparison on Digital Foundry, maybe, or something like that, suggesting that the PS3 version had better textures, probably due to disk space, um, whereas the 360 version had lower res textures and blah, blah, blah. So that was my only real motivation for going for that version. Um, yeah, didn't get around to playing it really much at all. I think um, looked at the, the start, looked interesting, interesting style, quite a cool setup. Um, but then it, it got shelved as uh, as i had to play other things for for this and and for work um and then not so long after that i got a gaming pc and um immediately became a massive graphics whore so uh <laughs> given that this game i actually i wasn't going to up upgrade and play the pc version until until what happened was i went into a game and saw that Already, even in January, I think this was, um, Dishonored was on a two for £25 offer with Far Cry 3, also on the PC. Um, both games that I wanted to experience, so I bought that and then eBayed my PS3 copy without having played it, really. Um, but, yes, then I started playing it on several occasions on the PC. Um and various things happened that meant I think I, I had a some kind of hard drive trauma, um, lost my saves at some point, reinstalled it at some point, and then finally got around to playing it through just uh, last week. Managed to cram it in uh, on normal difficulty um, with the intention of being relatively stealthy by my standards. And I did do, let's say I did a number of stealth kills, uh, but I did a lot more kills that weren't stealthy at all. Um, and again, I think that we'll, we'll talk about that because I think, you know, arguably that's sort of one of the issues that maybe some people have with the game is the stealth or the, you know, the way the stealth works and the way, the way the game plays out when the stealth doesn't work or when you're not working anyway. Um, I didn't really know too much about arcane studios either. 
um, for that matter. Uh, now I was looking into it and <laughs> they're credited as doing some level design on Bioshock 2. Um, they did some multiplayer work on Call, Call of Duty World at War. Um, but their sort of debut game was uh, 10 years before Dishonored, a game called Arx Fatalis. Now, I remember the name, uh, but I don't really know much about it. I just remember it being something that people are interested in. Um, did, did anyone here play it? <laughs> I did try to get some feedback from from the community, but it seems to have gone under the radar. It was pretty well received, actually. No, um, no, certainly didn't play it. Okay, um, yeah, it was uh, Xbox and PC, um, two thousand two, and um, yeah, um, s- scored relatively favourably um, with with critics. But yes, I think it was a uh, it's a bit of a niche game, sort of first person RPG kind of thing. It's the kind of thing that people are go batshit for now but um <laughs> back in 2002 everyone was mad about other things um so i presume that yeah none of you had any particular it's sort of an interesting one isn't it that uh, you know they they'd done all these bits and bobs for other people and started various cancelled projects but yet they were you know they still existed and then for whatever reason they got this team of people together to make this big you know I don't know if it, I don't know if it would count as a triple A product, but you know it's got a, it's got a, it had an advertising budget and a famous voice cast and and all that and had a fair amount of promotion and stuff. Yeah, I think the the strange thing for me is that that they're they didn't seem to have been vastly successful by the time they actually opened a second studio, which seems very odd that they would they would pick that time um, you know before. Dishonored mm. being the first game that really sort of stood out, they decided to to open up a second studio. So it seems odd that they haven't been more productive, not necessarily prolific, in the time since they were since they they arrived. But as you say, um, a number of cancelled projects, which unusually they're they're actually listed cancelled projects. Often, I guess, cancelled projects we never hear about. But, um, yeah, seems seems a strange path to then. I guess it. That meant that when Dishonored came onto the scene, it seemed like it burst out from almost nowhere. Um, yeah, definitely. This game, it was it was um, it was people from from the design team, um, yeah. basically going around and showing videos of the possibilities of this this uh, game where you could you could not only sneak, um, but you could also uh, possess wildlife and things like that and 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 move around in this in this uh, this particular i I can't remember how much they showed um blink and stop time and things before the game came out because that's where the for a lot of people the kind of people who like a who maybe treat the game as more of a stealth sandbox had had most of their fun right Mm -hmm. um maybe Just because you didn't, James. Imagine no, you no, were no, some. Sure, sure. no, I, I can understand <laughs> it, but yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, let's talk about the first impressions then, um, before we get into the meat of the gameplay, which is the slightly unusual art design, the 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 look of the of the the place. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah. I guess one of the one of the closest games I'd compare it to a little bit maybe is is Brink. It struck me when I first saw the character design, at least. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, did they not have anything to do with that? Because I, I, the, it's, it's uh, there was, there was well, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, there was two two influences with the character design. Was Brink definitely the closest, and uh, also for some reason I always think of uh, Team Fortress as well. And, and yeah, there's obviously yeah. a, a Valve connection there as well. So it's just yeah. hmm. well, the, the the lead artist worked on Half Life Two, and yeah. if you've played Half Life Two as many times as I have, you mm. can really tell. Just, yeah. I, um, uh, like some of the metallic structures, that's it. yeah, the, have yeah, the, the barricades same, and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, Look yeah. as the combine uh, yeah. uh, technology, and even like the overseers, even yeah. though they look like a, like a Renaissance kind of Victorian period version of them, they are yeah. reminiscent of the combine soldiers. Mm. Like they or have even the, the same tall boys as well. Yeah, yeah very yeah, yeah. tall boys. Absolutely look like the tripods. Yeah, the, um, yeah. Can't remember what the golden half life, but yeah, yeah. In all honesty, if it hadn't been the same artist, you'd have seen cries of plagiarism. It is the same artist, but it almost looks, those aspects look significantly enough like um, City 17 that you do kind of wonder if someone's not going to pull the rug from under you and say they're the same universe or something. It's that similar. Yeah. They almost look lifted straight from Half-Life, and um, which is strange. It, which actually kind of brings up my one of my issues with this game is that as strong as the art design is, I couldn't help but be reminded of other things. Like I didn't, I never at any point did I feel like this is Dishonored's, you know, unique look. I just kept thinking, oh, that that looks a lot like Team Fortress Two. Oh, that looks look a lot like Half Life Two. I was just being constantly reminded by other games that I prefer the look of I, I think it looks good but i just i, I i've seen on twitter say uh, people on twitter saying how unique it looks but i i don't know if i agree mm. i mean i, I yeah I, I think it's a game that wears its influences on its sleeve blatantly yeah. um but it yeah. was i felt compared with the comparison with city at 17 that uh, the world of Dunwall was just fleshed out to a far greater degree now maybe that's just because it's had you know it's a few years down the line and they can do a bit more with that sort of thing. But um, I found the, the world far more impressive than I, than I did with um, Half-Life 2. It's weird. I really wanted to be fully overwhelmed by the, the look and, and the environment in this game. I wanted to feel like I did when I played Half-Life 2 or Bioshock. Maybe I wanted it too hard. But in the end, like it never quite felt coherent to me it felt too piecemeal like it was too many bits of different things and there were yeah. you know certainly on the pc version um it you know there are points where it looks really really attractive and and the, the none of the influences are bad things in themselves um you know i like the european style architecture and the pub and um and then you know but then you've got the that sort of half-life too those those metallic barricades kind of laid over the top and you got the look, which I know it isn't, but you could almost describe as kind of cell shaded in that it's not, you know, dripping with uh, texture, you know, deep complex textures and particle mm. effects and things like that. But it never quite hung together to me. I never felt, I never believed in Dunwall as much as I hoped I would. There was, there's just an interesting thing with, with that. When, when I was playing, going back to the Half-Life thing is, is the city where you say, it never um, felt right, but you see, the thing is, I, I, the thing that struck me right from the first time I played it was how you can, you know, when it, when you travel in on the boat to these areas, you can see the other areas that you, you know, like in the distance, you'll see the bridge that you go to mm. later on, and and the, the, there seemed to be like a, 
I say a cohesive nature to the city itself. Like you could see all these areas that you, uh, once you get to the end, you realize you've traveled through all these mm. different parts of the city and, and you can see them from like from the pub where you, you sort of your, your safe base, if you will, yeah. you can see a lot of these places that you visit. And I really like that aspect to it. I've just, it felt like a, a place and it's, it, they imbued it with a lot of character and detail that if you, and I think it, it's, it's only it only becomes apparent if you do a bit of searching and go off sort of off on a tangent while you're playing and, and you find little details here and there mm. and posters on the wall and stuff referencing you know areas or people and stuff and I just uh, yeah that stuff really sold it to me I was really quite immersed in that world yeah I yeah. think a lot of people were I I think for me and I I know this is kind of just a personal thing because I know this really matters to me uh, when it comes to games. But like I, I see what you're saying, Jay, with the mm. the look and the detail in the world. But something that really sells me on a world is sound design. And for me, one of the reasons why Half Life Two was considerably more immersive mm. than this game is the sound design is so good and uh, like more recently like the the last of us is immersive to me because the sound design is just impeccable for me the sound design in dishonored is just kind of okay yeah it never it never it was never bad like yeah. there was never a point where i thought oh that, that was rubbish it was all consistent but it never nothing about the sound effects or the world or just or the like, score the or score the never soundtrack gets is just yeah. it just kind of mediocre and it, it it just and I know this is kind of a personal thing but I, like if you want to immerse me in a world sound design's actually more important to me than visual design uh, to a, to a certain extent cuz I don't know what it is but it just triggers an emotional side of my brain that uh, maybe visuals just don't you and I, I think you and I, no, I, I, I get that I, I get it and the, there is um I think what it's lacking is is like when you go to the Half Life, if you hear, um, you know that kind of uh, siren mm. howl that the the, um, the tripods make. If I, you know, striders, yeah, striders. Yeah, striders you, you hear that sound, you instantly recognise that noise, and mm. and it's you know there's this, and it it, it is lacking something. Like an sound, iconic sound. The one sound I can remember from Dishonored overall is the the Tannoy sound, the whoing, but hmm. it wasn't. It, there was nothing about. It wasn't chilling. It wasn't, you know, exciting. Yeah. It was just. It was just a sound that got used. I think they were going for something. Again, I felt like they were aiming for Bioshock or or Half Life Two, and just just came up short. Sadly, yeah. I think from from my point of view, the the. To mention the the um, the trips along the river in the in the boat that tend to sort of sandwich each each level um, is is absolutely spot on, Jay. I think those are one of the absolute highlights of the game, and I think it's um, it's telling that they open with with that as well, because those sections really allow you to take in what's going on around you um, and to to well, Samuel is one of my if not my favourite character in the game. Um, and just to to listen to to him, the voice acting for him, I think is is particularly good. But then um, you get into mm. the the city, and there's a lot of detail there. You're absolutely right. And if you're sneaking and taking your time and gathering as much as you can and going after the runes, there is an awful lot of detail there. And there is a character that comes with a fairly clear direction. I think, which is what you're getting at, Leon. I think there is a direction there. I think there is a uh, an effect they wanted the city to have when you were in it. It's just to to me, I 
I struggled to care about it in the way that I care about something like Half-Life. Now, that seems like a really harsh thing to say, but when I was playing through it, I, I like uh, Josh and Leon, you've both said, I, I was reminded of so many other games I've played. Um, the industrial areas in Fable 2 and particularly Fable 3 came roaring to mind because they've got that English pub, you know, the, the gruff guards walking around with their swagger and, and you know, and they've got that feel to it. Um, but it's all played for comedy, and this very much isn't played for comedy, and it didn't yeah. quite work in, Which in also the way is, I hoped it would. I agree, and I also think that that sort of jar, it, the, the the lack of humour jars with the slightly cartoon or the caricatured esque look of the characters yeah. as well, which I think is fine. I don't have a problem with non representational, you know, slightly stylized looking characters, but the personalities don't quite go with them. And I also think, uh, and I, I think we may have a comment regarding this, but um, and obviously this is in no way an anti US xenophobic thing, but I, I think the choice to cast, you know, they've got all these famous actors, but I don't think the American accents sit right with the architecture. I know it's a fictional place in a fictional world, but it looks like the sort of place where if they were going to, if you were going to fictionalize a place like this, it maybe should be European accents. I think that that there is a good point with that. And I think it, it it's true on several of the characters, but there are mm. some of the characters that really work. Mm. Um, and it, it they work because you don't notice that they're actually American accents. So it, it, yeah, just, it's very they, well yeah. spoken or whatever. Mm. Um, and it, it it is a weird thing the the accents. Even I sort of when I first started playing it, there was just this weird sort of disconnect mm. hearing seeing that style, you know, and then parring it with the accents and stuff. But yeah, there is something in that. I also piece. think some of the you know you got some really strong actors in there, Susan yeah. Sarandon, Brad Dourif. Mm. And uh, even Chloe Grace Moretz, who seems to be proving herself, you know, a really capable young actor. But they all, they, I mean, Granny Rags, Susan Sarandon's pretty good. But like Brad Dourif was a bit disappointing for me. And I'm not sure whether it was him or the character. I, I think it was the character. They had him mm. playing the merchant, basically. They, yeah. And I just, you have all that talent there and you're giving them like, characters who are just generic like oh i'm gonna sell you stuff like well he has his one creepy moment doesn't he where he's yeah. looking through he's looking in the bathroom mm. um the, which was actually you know that's a memorable standout moment yeah. in the game is like somebody looking through a keyhole and <laughs> a, there's, a bathing lady <laughs> there's a difficulty here which um i think stem is is showed quite uh well between the two characters you've picked out a lot of people got to the end of the game and didn't realize that susan sarandon was doing the voice <laughs> yeah. of granny rags yeah brad duriff's voice it's brad duriff because let's face it everyone's seen lord of the rings and if you haven't seen him in anything else even which you should have you've seen him in that and he's do, his well, voice he doesn't is sound very like chucky in this to be but, fair. No, yeah. But, but he sounds but like Wormtongue, yeah. He does sound like Wormtongue. And you've got to be very careful when you're using a, an actor who is going to be really well known for that type of slimy, slightly uneasy character. Um, you've got to direct him well to to not fall into that Well, voice. you know, I've I, I got to say who I thought was the most surprising voice actor and out of the entire cast is mm. Michael Madsen. Mm. Because I didn't... It, it did not occur to me until they announced the DLC for, for yeah, the Dow yeah, thing it was him that it was along, him. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, and I went back and checked the IMDB because I thought, there's no way. And then <laughs> I watched the cutscenes on YouTube to, to just to see and to hear his voice. And, 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 he, and he surprised me because I've never rated him as an actor. I thought he's, no. he's a, a very shallow 
a character actor, if you can even call him a character actor. Uh, but the performance he gave us, Dowd, was one of the one of, probably one of the standouts. He gives it obviously he has a lot more to do in the Knife of Dumbledore DLC, mm. which we will talk about separately. Um, but he he gives it a lot more in that. Yeah, it's just such a shame that one of the biggest uh, difficulties I had with this game was a character like Dowd is barely in the game, and you get yeah. nothing. It it feels like he is either a character that they just didn't have time to flesh out properly in the game. Or they're holding on for a sequel, or as it turns out, the DLC. But mm. th- th- there's a lot of setup behind his character and the character of the outsider as well, and but none you get, of it you, pays off. But you do get me. a sense of that when you pick up all the journals and these yeah. diaries and so that, that, That's along. the thing. I, I, this is, my, I think, my primary, my main issue with this game. There is so much interesting backstory to this world there's so much interesting stuff going on before the story that you take part in the story that you experience isn't really that interesting Mm. like none of the like all the most interesting characters um you know the big players in this game the the empress dies in the first like five or ten minutes Mm. and dowd is barely in it and i and you're left with some characters who, are, like the the main characters you interact with, really aren't that interesting. And I I just wish I I kind of feel like I want to play Dishonored before the events of Dishonored, if that makes any sense, or after a the prequel, events. Prequel, yes, yeah, uh, a because se- it, a prequel rather than a sequel is has been suggested by at least one. It just, it just seems all the stuff that's most interesting story-wise about that game doesn't happen in the game at all. I am a terror for for not reading texts in games um, because you know I can't read. No, because I find it <laughs> I find it time-consuming when I want to be doing the playing thing. You know, my reading time tends to be in the bath or before bed. If I'm playing a game, I want to be playing a game and doing as little reading as possible. Um, and also in this case, playing this game. Uh, simply didn't have the time. You pick up so many. There's a lot of books, uh, yeah. so many books and so many pieces of Letters, paper. Yeah. And of course, being uh, being OCD about it, I'm running around making sure I've picked every single one up, and you know, clicking on books more than once to make sure that I've got it in my because <laughs> it adds it to your your inventory. You yeah. know, thinking, well, one day, you know, this is this this save's going to go up to the Steam Cloud, and I can always you know go back in and read all this stuff one day. But like with Oblivion, <laughs> like with Skyrim, <laughs> I never will. Um, it just doesn't hold my attention um, because it's it's seldom that well written this is another game also with few not not nearly as many as some games but it has audio logs but they're static ones so you can't you can't walk away while they're playing um and i i didn't so maybe by not investing in those i did i I undersold the game world to myself maybe if i'd taken the time to read i mean read i mean this this comes into the whole thing when we get onto the gameplay like this is a game that is best served by not rushing now i know that james you certainly didn't rush it because that's yeah. not your style i had to rush it for you know yeah, real yeah, life yeah, reasons course, yeah. um but i wonder if i'd have got more of that out of the whole experience i mean jay you've played it through three or four times did you say and yeah yeah uh, do you read i mean did you read the stuff the first time or did you save it yeah, for another playthrough yeah, yeah no I'm, I'm i'm a bit similar with the last of us as well you know every note every piece of paper whatever i pick up i've got to read it mm. um do you, and, did you, you know, find it do you think you know do you think you'd have got less out of the game if you hadn't done that yeah to a point um, are they well written are they interesting and funny yeah i mean sometimes or, they just add little you, you like um, with characters like Dowd and and 
you know, you you just see a bit more of their backstory with Pietro and and these guys where they talk about that you know the things that were going on before the the events that you know where you've come into it and and their thoughts towards Corvo the character as well you know and you you kind of you you start to base your feeling you know your opinion of these characters based on what I did anyway when I was playing based on what I was reading about them and what they were writing about me as as Corvo. You know, so it did play into the way that I was playing mm. the game, and you know, I feel it just enriched it. Maybe not massively, but it just gave it an, an, an extra layer of texture. Yeah. You know, which mm. um, James, you've already sort of implied, and I think a few of our correspondents, uh, even even some people who liked the game more than you did, um, are pretty down on the plot of the actual game itself. So we we won't go through it stage by stage. Um, you play as Corvo Atano, who has been uh basically stitched up as the murderer of the empress um you know he's not because you were there and you saw Dow do it um and then it's up to you you know to clear your name um and you can do this uh you do this by leaguing up with some anti-establishment types um and you can either clear your name by killing everyone or um or or not um but how did you fellas feel about the plot? I mean, I, like, like I said earlier, I think the setup's fine. I think, you know, sure, why not? You, you, you've been wronged. You're banged in prison. It's not, it's not original, but you know, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a motivator. Um, oh, definitely, yeah. Um, but then, for me, the plot, it's, it's seldom the most important thing to me. But it kind of seemed to amble um, predictably. From, and sometimes pointlessly from one place to another, you know, mi- mission. The, the plot seemed to be hung around the missions that they wanted to yeah. to give you, rather than the missions were hung around the plot. Now, personally, that's I prefer that. I'm playing a game, not reading a book. Um, but you know, could they have done better with the story? Well, uh, for me, like I know this is a horrible word to throw around in critical discussions because it doesn't really say much. But it was just kind of boring. And I and I mean that in the sense that it it it's it's not really bad. I I never felt like any story beat was like oh that was rubbish mm. or any story beat. But it, it, you know, it, nothing kind of struck out as to me as like a surprise. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't particularly invested in any of the characters. I just kind yeah. of like oh okay mm. okay oh he's betrayed me has he okay. Well, I, I bet about, I'm going to kill him now. Well, yeah, where do I go now? What's the how? How's the layout of this level going to be? Mm. You know, what are my options of getting in and getting out? It's not. I didn't. Yeah, I I, I didn't find the story beyond the the overall conceit was a motivator. I think at the beginning, you're absolutely right. The 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 general conceit at the at the beginning is definitely a motivating one because. You're you're told more than you're shown. Although I do think the hide and seek game at the at the beginning is is a nice way of very quickly getting you to care about. Let's face it, it's a young girl. You're going to care about her anyway when you're put in this father figure role. They all um, do it these days. They put a young girl in you to care about, it's, and it's, it's also a video game trope. It is a trope, and um, <laughs> and it's also a tutorial that section. So two in one, bang, job done. Yeah. And let's I get think out it's it. pretty nicely handled. Uh, yeah. I, I enjoyed that section. Um, and I, and I think seeing it's it's very much a, a a sort of retelling of the struggle of Rome, isn't it? Where you've got um, the empress, who's actually a pretty decent but a, a singular power at the head of of this uh, world, although it's really the city uh, rather than the world, because obviously yeah. there are cities outside where 
Corvo has been sent to ask for help. But um, And you've got this group of people who are, in a rather Machiavellian way, trying to wrestle control. And the best way they see of doing that is uh, two birds, one stone, get rid of the Empress, get rid of Corvo, um, and, and they can use... Um, use Emily as as this beacon, a bit like Elizabeth in, in Bioshock Infinite, as as she will be the beacon that everyone will gather around whilst really they are all pulling the strings. Um and so it becomes this this sort of very much sort of ancient Rome power struggle. Um I think the thing that and that that was that was fine for me through the first uh I guess sort of two thirds of the game probably uh the the twist um that that happens if we haven't said spoilers before we've already spoiled a couple of things but we should say um that we're going to talk about everything because the twist that happens a bit like josh you just intimated i think i kind of just shrugged and went yeah yeah that that was perfectly expected that the people who you're working with but don't really seem to be terribly friendly enough but they're not characters like if um if if what some of the characters that you're surrounded by, um, like Eli Vance, turned on Gordon in Half Life, that would seem <laughs> really shocking. It would seem out of character unless they handled now. it very well. well yes, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it, 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 in in say episode episode one, if if Eli had suddenly turned on Gordon without proper grounding, that would have seemed false. But um, with proper grounding, it would have been really powerful. When when a bunch of characters that you don't really know that well, you're only working with because. Frankly, the game told you to. I think. Um, yeah, because they turn on you. It's kind of yeah. like shrug. Just a different group of people I've now got mm. to go and take down, and it, that was the that was the disappointment for me. I think otherwise the story actually is is uh, was pretty good in terms of the immediate narrative. What's what's pushing you forward? I, I actually appreciated that, and it it was enough to give me the impetus to explore um, to explore the world. Um, but yeah, that, that twist. There's no real one real uh over overarching villain as such, is there? There's no, an establishment not really. Um which I quite like the idea of not having, mm. you know, a cheesy, mm. cackling bad man. But unfortunately the climax of the game still comes down to a one on one. Uh fa- thankfully it's not a crappy boss fight. Um but it still but, comes down to the last you and the last person, you know, and saving the the little girl as you'd expect, and and then it's just game over, you know, game ends. But depending on how you you depending on how you've played and and how you approach that final thing, does it's quite different in the way that it plays out. So I, okay, uh, that's I see. I didn't even know that. So do it. Do go on. Well, you know, I went through, I did do a complete stealth, no kill playthrough, which is the second time round. But it's it's just interesting how you hear that character's motivation. I mean, it's, you know, we're going to we're going to go straight in on the end and explain in detail. Yeah, we'll, what we'll happens. go back to the gameplay and, and we'll, yeah. we'll but you, you end up in the sort of uh, like basically in this. Uh, like mountain top base, and Av- Admiral Havelock is is there. He basically, he's all, he's killed everybody else um, because he knows what's going to happen. He, he he's setting himself up for, but he knows you're coming for him. But he's there talking to himself, or actually talking to the corpses of the others, explaining why he's done what he's done, and you hear his motivation. Now, if you play it stealth wise, which it did, I literally just dropped down, throttled him out, knocked him unconscious, and rescued the princess. Game over. Hmm. The second time after I uh, I just went through and killed everybody in the entire base, 
by the time I got to him, he he grabbed the princess and he goes out onto this ledge, and oh, wow. it's you know it's that sort of split second you have to save her and shove him off kind of thing, and and it, you know it played out quite differently. Like the characters' mm. motivations seem quite different within the two the, the two versions. I actually felt a, a, just a slight tinge of sympathy for what he'd done, and and he had regrets. You know, he didn't like what he'd done. He, he just realised it, it was. For the for the power he it had to be done for the greater good kind of oh that's what in his mind anyway. But, yeah, so I, my 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 final boss encounter was uh, yeah him at the end of a of a long walkway um, with uh, holding Emily you know kind of back back to a precipitous mm-hmm. drop and uh, probably a knife to her throat or something like that. Um, I don't even know if there was a way to fail it or not, but I simply, as soon as I was given control, it was a case of freeze time, blink forward, and then, arrive, you know, stand in front of him. And basically that triggered the end. You know, you push him off and grab the girl, and that's that's it. And now, I, you know, I'm all for no, you know, shitty, terrible, drawn-out end boss fights, but it was, it was a little anticlimactic for me. That's the difficulty, isn't it? It's it's very much the the violence in video games debate as well, which mm. is uh, boss fights are awful. We don't want boss fights, but ultimately we're still shy of uh, you know a, a couple of examples. Notwithstanding, we're shy of a climax at the end of video games that that fits as well as a boss fight does. Um, I I quite liked the the stealth ending I got, which was I I walked up this this tower and I, I found the princess in uh in in a cell um and he uh, have locked walking around this table of dead people talking to them almost having gone mad uh such as the the moral quandary that he's ended up finding himself in and, and found himself unable to escape what he saw as his fate um and i w- i actually managed to to get up behind him steal the key which i think is next to him rather than actually on his mm. person mm. um free the princess and then it forced me to go back and actually uh I think I had to dispatch him. I can't quite remember, but um, but yeah, I quite liked the fact that I was able to just actually. I'd been playing stealthily, and stealthily was the way I finished the that's, game, so there was no confrontation at all. That's pretty cool. The the, the way yeah. the way it ties in with your with your play style. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then there's the ending. Now, um, is it as simple as is it just binary? There's a high chaos ending and a low chaos ending. I didn't. See, I I only saw two versions of it. Yeah. 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 Uh, Unsurprisingly, um, I got the high chaos ending. It's basically, you know, it's not really very happy at all. It's pretty downbeat. Um, Emily is kind of this, She she's basically become very aware that you're not the pure hearted, honorable man that she believed. Um, and you are in fact a mass murderer and she rules in, in a way that, you know, is befits that influence in her life <laughs> as the, as the world continues to turn to shit. So I like that. That's good, you know. At least there were consequences, but it was again just all of it. You know, it's all just told in a brief cutscene. And well, it was handled better than say Bioshock One did it, but it was just yeah. it, I quite liked the True. style where it was kind of like that freeze frame through the models, and you're just sort of oh the yeah, the style, the style them, of yeah. it's good. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so and the other the other version. <laughs> Uh, just the opposite, you know, where okay. you basically because you're a good guy, you didn't kill people. She, she, uh, it's quite a touching scene actually because you, you, mm. you, she, she, you know, she's well respected as a as a leader. She, she, you know, people love her and you know all mm. that stuff. And then right at the end, she's laying a, a flower on your 
great on your tombstone, which is uh, it's a quite like you know. Mm. And I think mm. it said that you're you you were her protector as she mm. became empress, and yeah, you um you've got a lot of respect amongst the people as well for for giving their city back to them. Uh, she, yeah, she didn't yeah, seem to mind the fact that you walked around with a mother's heart or through the entire game. <laughs> so it's just. <laughs> Um. Yeah, uh, Josh. Did you have anything on? Have you seen? Did you? Which ending did you get? The, um, the, I, the I, good I one. The the good one. Yeah, and I. I. Everyone's kind of just said what I was going to say. To be honest, okay. I, I'll just add that. Um, I. I just. I. It didn't really have much punch to you know, like most of the uh, the rest of the story. It didn't really have much of a effect on me it was just like oh, okay all of these characters that i didn't really care about are happy well okay i just the thing the problem for me throughout that game is that because i didn't care about the characters like nothing that happened really affected uh, affected me and even though i got the happiest ending it didn't really fill me with joy it just it was kind of an anti-climax do we know if there are only two endings i think there's more than that um various levels i think what happens is you you you've got a good ending or a bad ending but the actual because it's made up of scenes isn't it so you i think those scenes can change depending on together almost fallout three style where you yeah so there are three endings um low chaos in which emily is safe and happy and well and everything turns out for the best um but then there are two high chaos endings one with emily alive and one with her dead now i didn't realize that maybe i'd have been less i mean you know there are the the game on i don't know about on console but on pc it keeps multiple rolling auto saves all the time and you can save anywhere three auto saves i think which i mean it's very well it's it lends itself to experimentation in that sense in that there's although it's i don't think i don't know if there's a quick save button on the pc but certainly it doesn't take any time to save uh really um but yes i'd have probably been less gung-ho about sprinting towards the end of that platform if i'd i kind of thought is there going to be a you know, is there going to be a horrible consequence here to my actions but i think because i just thought right I had my quick thinking head on and I did freeze time and blink rather than just running, running towards them or slow time. I think it is. And maybe that's the difference. Maybe if you don't do things like that, uh, he has time to cut her throat or throw her off or jump. I think maybe they jump together. I don't know. But anyway, so there is another ending to see the, the, the worst possible ending. I don't feel so bad now, even though I turned the world into a rat infested piece of shit. By, with my murderous actions, which is you know strange when you think about it. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean that's something we haven't talked about. Two more things about the plot before we get into the meat of the gameplay, or or not the plot, but the setup. Um, you are this sort of chosen one figure, and you have uh, you have a you know a sort of spiritual guide as as is as is the way of things in these games. Um, never really kind of got the point of that. I thought maybe it yeah. would have been more interesting without that. I think the Knife of Dunwall DLC kind of explain sheds a little more light on it because yeah. uh, the outsider says to to Dowd in that that there are is it seven more eight in total mm. people with these abilities that he bestows upon them in the world yeah um, and and Dowd has clearly strayed from the outsider's control at some point before um, he he kills the Empress and in killing the Empress the outsider at that point decides he has to take action and bestows these powers upon upon Corvo. 
Um, so that's the reasoning behind you getting the powers. Um, yeah. But but as with as with Dowd, the, the outsider flits in and out of the game, but it feels like there's much more behind that that needs to be, or pro- possibly will be, fleshed out in a in a sequel. So um, pro- I probably missed something, because, you know, rushing through the plot and hmm. being simple, but I didn't quite understand. Now, it seemed that in, in The Knife of Dumble, um Dowd had a group, you know, a whole mass of assassins under his command, who many of which seemed to have the same powers that the outsider had imbued upon Corvo. Yeah. Um, the basically things like, you know, invisibility effectively, which is, you know, blinking and stuff like that. Mm. So. Well, one of the, um, the powers that you can have as Dowd is, is a power that, uh, bestows your abilities onto your assassins and it's tiered. True. So there's one tier where they get, um, I think it's uh, Blink and I can't remember what else, but there, there's four of Dowd's powers that are shared in a, a group of two at Tier 1 and another group of two at Tier 2 mm. that your assassins can have because you can also call in assassins. But yeah, he has clearly um, been given these powers by the outsider and I guess somewhat unsurprisingly with all the, the runes and other things that boost your power being physical objects, he's found a way to transfer or or act as a conduit through which some of his power can be afforded to those around him. Um, and you see a bit of that in, in the game, you know, you, you come up against his assassins and they do seem to have um, yeah. some, some of your abilities as well. So, And there's, but for me, there's the usual sort of problem of having a, uh, a deity figure in a game like this, you know, why does he choose to only give you just enough power to make things easier for you if if he's that if he's that is that what is this what is the grand purpose if he wants him to be powerful just make him more powerful or (laughs) or you know or cast his foes aside or something like that rather than giving him powers that oh well they might not be able to see you if you climb up that ledge kind of things like if you're so if you're so super powerful i I thought maybe it would have been more interesting if this was just a world in which highly skilled uh, magic users could do certain things like this, and yeah, you know I mean, the, the reason the, that Corvo was was uh, Empress's bodyguard was because he was fucking badass. Individual, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should probably talk about the actual game because you know, frankly, we we have it seems we have mixed feelings about the world and its characters and and the setup, the way it looks, the way it sounds. Uh, none of us have kind of, I think, you know, Jay's the most positive, but. Um, the the gameplay then um, is yeah it kind of reminded me of Deus Ex Human Revolution in that um, which is obviously you know a sequel a kind of tightened up console esque consoleized modern sequel to an old uh, multifaceted game uh, which was also you know not uh, had a relationship with the thief games and and there's obviously a lot of that in there you know you're you're put in a level on a mission. With a main aim, multiple, you know, side aims, the aims can change as go along. Um, and the key thing really with Dishonored is your powers and your abilities and the way you can move around. You know, there is a certain amount of simply going into crouch mode by pressing button, going up behind people and choking or, or slitting their throats. But there's also a lot of the thing that I think makes the game more interesting than it ought to be is is the 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 locomotion, you know, the fact that you can get around these levels in any number of ways and they give you quite a few different paths 
Um, and there is the famous blink ability, which you know many of our correspondents will reference later in the issue, and um, is probably you know the game's one single biggest innovation. I, I do think the blink ability is really you know really interesting. I think it takes a while to get used to uh, in the mm. early stages because I think I, I I don't know if this was everyone's experience, but in the early parts of the game i was a bit confused as to what blink was used for but when i realized that it was yeah. really just about uh getting to high places and just traversing well, the areas, other side would, of people yeah yeah and, and getting behind people and stuff like that um yeah i think it's an interesting ability but i do think the game uses it as a crutch if that makes yeah. any sense Absolutely it does, almost yeah, yeah it it's really fun to use, but it's it's almost overpowered to the point where I, f- I feel like I don't have to put any effort into the stealth in a really weird way. Um, like, it's so easy to just catch somebody alone, choke them out, and then blink away instantly um, and just take out everyone in the area really, really quickly without anyone know what, knowing what's going on. And it and it takes away some of the satisfaction, you know. For me, as a stealth player, um, like the satisfaction of playing stealth is like planning what you're, uh, you know, what you're going to do, and then executing it perfectly and thinking, "Yes, I did really well." It, I think Blink kind of takes that away to a certain degree, and I think it's unfortunate that Dishonored kind of came out. Um, uh, not well. It came out before Mark of the Ninja, uh, Mark of the Ninja, and I think Mark of the Ninja kind of does a lot of things to make stealth accessible. It, it, it kind of has the same aims as Dishonored, but Mark of the Ninja did it to far better. I, I feel like it managed to make it fun and accessible in a way that still didn't take away what made stealth great, whereas Dishonored kind of did take away what makes stealth great my bigger issue uh regarding blink isn't that it makes the game too easy for me it's actually i think it it masked over some of the weaknesses of the level design to me um yeah it's very easy to quickly get up high and move around the world but i feel like that meant that the the game didn't have to be designed as a stealth to exist as a stealth game without blink Something like Deus Ex Human Revolution. I love the fact that when you get a new ability, it doesn't it it doesn't change what you're doing moment to moment, but it opens up new paths. The ability to just lift a heavy um, vending machine, let's face it, because it was always a vending machine, um, opened up a path that you didn't have access to before. So the abilities gave you extra options, whereas the abilities in Dishonored, half of them I just ignored because I was doing full stealth, zero kills zero alerts they weren't useful um and a bunch of the others like blink you've already got at the beginning of the game so when you can increase uh blink and it freezes time it doesn't really change what you can do in the game that much um and it never felt like it it gave me extra options the options were always based on the way i wanted to play exactly the same which was look around me, see if there's a path I can take, see if I can fudge my way up there with Blink, which it always felt like if I jump now and Blink to there, I might slide down, but if I Blink off again, I'll get there. It never felt like the game was designed as tightly as a stealth game needs to be, and I know that's a really sort of nebulous term, but 
in in a stealth game it's all about getting that feedback and knowing that you'll be seen here you won't be seen there and i know it feels trial and error to a lot of people uh, a lot of stealth games do but to me it never really does i understand that if i'm spotted it's because i did something wrong um the lean ability is is similar as well um they have so in, instead of um instead of a cover mechanic or instead of being able to sort of side strafe around a door what they do is um if if you can see an enemy then they can see you unless you you lean out from behind cover um, I much preferred the way it was handled in, in Deus Ex Human Revolution, where you go into a third-person cover, and that allows you that extra visibility of the yeah. area around you um, and gives you that slight edge when it comes to plotting where, where you're going to go and planning your route. Um, with the lean, it just kind of fudges. It says, okay, you want to be able to see around this corner, and you can't do it unless we just put in this this lean. I was leaning three and four feet past a wall, yeah, to where an enemy should have been able to see me and couldn't, and equally well, I'd stand behind solid objects where an enemy shouldn't be able to see me, and the alert would go up, and I, it felt really fuzzy as to mm. what were the terms on by which I had to be stealthy. The Granny Rags fight's another example. Um, you get to this cavern, and if you're going zero kills, zero alerts, really difficult to. Sh- she's he- holding a guy captive. Um, and I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying to get zero kills, you have to defuse that situation. So you have to free him um, and get out of there without her seeing you. And it feels like you're fudging your way through it. And it's not, it doesn't feel like you have control over it in the way you should in a stealth game. There's a, there's a sense of control you have to have so that when something goes wrong, you just go, yeah, okay, I'm an idiot and reload your last save. If you're me, um, as soon as anything in a stealth game goes wrong, I reload my last save and I try and do it better. This time around, it felt like I was just redoing it until it worked, and then I moved on, and it didn't feel like I had as much control as I should. I, I apologize if that doesn't sound terribly clear. It's the best kind of way I can describe it, but it's just a, there was a feeling there that that it lacked as a stealth game, which was always going to be the way I played Dishonored. Um, I feel the need to, because I've ranted a lot about this game, and I, I've said on Twitter that there are moments uh, in this game that I love, and mm. people listening to this podcast are probably wondering what the hell those moments are. <laughs> I think there are set pieces in this game that are really interesting, and I think mm. the best moment in the game is the party sequence uh, where you have to identify uh, which... Uh, uh, because three ladies are wearing a very similar costume, but the the only difference is that they're wearing a different colour. And the whole point of that mission is that you're trying to you know talk to people, find notes and stuff to find out who's your target and what you need to do. And I really like that set piece because mm. then it felt much more like social stealth, which I thought was really interesting. And I Blink was completely useless in that area. I had to rely much more on uh, actual stealth skills. More than uh, useless, it would have freaked everyone out, presumably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was moments like that that I really enjoyed, and I really wished it had more moments like that, just like more moments where it was less about, you know, blink up to a building, blink back down, stab a guy, blink back up again, and stuff like that. More about just assessing the situation and thinking, what what am I... If I, in this environment, what's going to give me away? What's going to yeah. alert people and stuff like that? That was really interesting. Jay, what about you? 
Um, I'm, I, yeah, I was, I was just thinking what Josh was saying then, and I kind of agree with that. I did. I, it, it, that is one of the standout levels. It's yeah. also probably one of the longest, depending on how you play it as well. Um, but it, it, it was probably by far the most interesting, just because of what Josh was saying about having to sort of move through the crowd and not not give yourself away, but figure out what you had to do whilst you were there. Um, For me, the 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 best moments were definitely you know those those moments that make you feel empowered um now i wasn't i sort of had the initially had a half intention of trying to kill as few people as possible but the problem is it would always break down for me very quickly um perhaps i wasn't using stealth uh blink the right way and stuff like that um you know but there would there would always be you know i could to a point i could sneak around you know pick people off i i soon upgraded the ability to choke people faster uh which is fairly invaluable if you're trying not to kill people um it, but i would you know i ended up killing people because you know i didn't have enough sleep darts and and whatever i would basically if it was the difference between getting spotted but uh or having to kill people, I would I would take the kill people option. Um, certainly, I'm not somebody who would ever enjoy playing the James way of <laughs> I've screwed up that bit of stealth, so I'm going to save and reload, save and reload. That that to me is like video gaming nightmares. Just I wouldn't enjoy that at all. But yeah. maybe I'm shooting myself in the foot, and this is what I'm I'm trying to make my peace with. Um, you know, it, it's probably just a case of it's neither me nor the game, but you know, you, you're quite welcome to jump in here and say, well, you're you're playing it wrong. But for me, the, when I wasn't having fun, you know, crouching on a ledge, throwing, get, uh, summoning a swarm of killer rats or, or shooting someone in the head from 500 yards away with double zoomed scope. I like that stuff. That's good. You know, dropping through a window, immediately crouching with silent feet on whatever that power up was, stopping time, all that stuff, you know, the empowering stuff. Great, great fun for sure. But what would inevitably happen to me, um, and I know all you kind of pro stealth gamers will f- find this crazy, but I will always, my patience will always mean that at some stage on every level, I will not fully check all my corners and I will get sprung by somebody. And then the game would always, it's pretty much the game kind of breaks at that point and the level is kind of fucked for the rest, or at least that section of the level, because, you know, you may have choked the first four guards or whatever and, and gone stealthily unnoticed, but then you'll, you'll nip around the corner. Even if sometimes, even if I'd used the second, you know, the second sight thing, so you can see through walls, you can see their vision cone. I'm doing all that. I'm thinking, look, uh, look, imagine Josh, I was, I was, you know, I'm thinking maybe I'll tweet James and Josh and tell them I'm doing it properly. <laughs> and then, I'll go around the corner and then I'll keep, you know, I don't know, make a noise or something that some guard that I hadn't even considered. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't done a full 360 sweep of my vision or whatever. And then there's another guard. And then if that one, if that one comes, then all the others come as well. And then it's, so it devolves into this really crappy first person shooter, basically with really awful melee combat and really awful shooting. And then, I'd shoot basically 15 guards in a row who would lie in an embarrassing pile. And then I'd just wander around for the rest of the level with nothing to do. Rubbish. 
Yeah. So who's is that my fault or is that the game's fault? No, it's it's the game's fault. Like, <laughs> I, um, I, the thing is, like, I know that it's a recent game. I'm not going to go into spoilers. I'm just going to talk about mechanics. But the the Last of Us, mm. uh, I think, handles what you're talking about really, really I well. Agree. Yeah. Because if you like, it's almost like the game expects you to mess up. If that makes any sense, like the moment, like enemies notice you it becomes a very the pace changes it becomes a very different game but it, it doesn't become a worse game it becomes it's still just as fun and just as shooter, engaging. exactly yeah 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 and um i, I think that's kind of uh, this problem that dishonored has is kind of the same problem uh deus ex human revolution has mm, in definitely. that deus ex human revolution is not a very fun action game yeah. but it is I I think a very good stealth game, uh, but I think it's a better stealth game than uh, Dishonored, to be honest. Yeah, um, I, mm. I think when we talk about the, the the various ways to play a level and the various styles you can use, um, part of the problem is that there's there's this uh, big drive, and I think it's because a lot of people think of stealth games and think of, frankly, Splinter Cell and how if you're not playing it the way I play Splinter Splinter Cell, which is keep as many saves as you can, roll them all the time, and if something goes wrong, reload um, or restart the level. Um, if you're, There's a big drive to try and make sure that uh, in a sort of Metal Gear uh, solid kind of way, um, something that I know you value, Josh, which is be stealthy absolutely up to a point, but if something goes wrong, you should then have the tools at your disposal to be able to deal yeah. with the situation rather than having to treat it as failure and start again. Um, and... So, so that's the the drive behind a game like Dishonored, and I think uh, Deus Ex: Human Revolution as well. But what actually happens is you, your choices are of of ways to play them actually come down to you have to be stealthy. The choice is whether to be lethal or non lethal. That's actually, I think, a better description of of the two choices of styles of how to play this. Um, so if you're if you're trying to, you know, as you found Leon, if something goes wrong and it actually devolves into a first-person shooter, essentially. And it, a weak one. Yeah, really, it, you know, people it, talk about Bioshock's combat being weak. Boy, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. yeah. So actually what it needs to be is, okay, I'm going to go into this. I'm going to be a bit more free and casual, maybe with the stealth, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to be absolutely unrelenting in terms of I'm just going to, I'm not going to try and hide bodies. I'm not going to try and knock people out. I'm just going to kill them. And that way I know fine well that if one guard comes towards me, all the guards behind me are dead. Doesn't matter. No one's going to wake them up. So I can be a bit more, just a bit more assertive in how you deal with it. Whereas, you know, my style of play from a stealth point of view is always softly, softly cautious. Something goes wrong. I'll reload because that's just not the way I want to this, this level to go from here on out. Um, And, and yeah, so I think what actually ends up happening is that what you get is a lethal versus non-lethal rather than stealth versus non-stealth um, mm. set of gameplay. And and if it and if if it does come down to stealth versus non-stealth, you you almost have to just accept that it's non-stealth all the way for you and kind of come to terms with this is how the game plays as an action game. Yeah, if, if you go from one to the other, it, there's a jarring. Uh, change there that doesn't quite so fit. I think maybe you can get those. Um, you can upgrade your uh, your crossbow uh, sleep darts so that they mm. they work instantly, instantly. in combat. Co- combat sleep dart, I think it's called. Yeah, but then you've still got a pretty 
weak shooter. Um, so, you know, yeah, you're sending them to sleep, but it's still not, you know, even as I say, even the much maligned Bioshock infinite combat is, you know, at least it has the sky rails and all the different weapons and stuff like that. And, you know, but this is just kind of very much point and shoot, wait until they fall over, maybe stab them with a, with a sword or whatever, but Mm. it's very much that, you know, the AI is just non-existent. They just run at you. Um, Occasionally there's dogs, but things like, how do you, uh, as a, if you're uh, non-lethaling, is there, are there ways to deal with the tall boys? Can you send them to sleep and stuff? Maybe I don't know. I just ended up um, killing, you, killing. You just navigate around them generally. Uh, it's really easy to do, to be honest. I actually quite enjoyed the combat, but then when I was, I, I mean, the, the first playthrough was kind of, I would, I would go for the stealth. If I get spotted, so be it. Mm-hmm. But I would never do the reload thing. Um, the only time I actually did that was right at the very, right at the very beginning of the the uh, the game, and the first proper mission you get, you know, where you go, you you come at the docks area, and yeah. I'd I'd killed everybody the first time through, and it wasn't until you get go back there and you realise the effect that the high chaos was having on the environment. So there was more infected people. There was more packs, you know, like the rats were grouped together mm. and they would attack you as well. So um, I went back and restarted and, and went through, tried to play through as stealthy as I could. But there was always those moments where you would get spotted and then it was like, okay, so be it. But I just resorted to the rats. I didn't use the shooting mechanics. Mm. I occasionally mm. used the darts, but for the most part, once I powered, once I realised how <laughs> fun those rats were, it was like I, I mean I've gone through the game where I've literally killed everybody just using the rats, uh, <laughs> but it was it was things like you know like the Sokolov level where you have to um, go across the bridge and you work your way there and then you get to his lab and, and mm. have to sort of take him hostage. It, it's like you were saying I would go through that level not get spotted once, but the moment I get into his lab there was always one little bastard that would spot me. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, it, then the rats had come out and it was like, for all that work, it might as well not bother because like you said, everybody That's in that it. level then yeah. became dead. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. And, and another, another problem I had is, you know, for the, for the punishment that is, you know, the bad ending, um, it wasn't, it wasn't worth the effort, you know, like to not, to, to, to be good. I actually enjoyed yeah. the world more when it became more, more shitty and gritty because when you were playing it through, you know, on the, on the, the, the good path, um, there were fewer rats, there were fewer weepers, which are basically the game zombies, which made the, the levels emptier, less interesting, the world less textured, you know? So it kind of, and, and even from my point of view, so I decided that my Corvo, who is a silent protagonist, which is something we'll talk about, um, effectively was, uh, used to be a decent ish man basically he was decent because his life allowed him to be but now he was in this situation he was getting more and more desperate and going more and more off the rails more and more unhinged and i, I took mm. enormous pleasure about when going back bet- to the hub between um which later becomes a level in itself the hound pits um to and emily would you know rush up to me oh corvo you're back oh you know and you know, her and others saying, oh, we know you're a man of honor. And I'm kind of looking at the camera out the corner of my eye and doing a little, <laughs> you know, a little wink because I've just basically run through the previous level, chopping people's faces off and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so that that made it kind of I at least I justified it to me. But that mm. that still meant. And, and then, of course, that whole thing, like like Jay kind of just said, 
I was still going into a level thinking, I reckon, you know, the designers want you to stealth through this level as much as possible. This game is built around the idea of stealthing or at least being non-lethal, you know, somewhere between the two. So I would start the next mission doing that. But then, you know, the the further you get in the game, if you're not a, a, a patient stealth player, which I'm not, you tend to get spotted even quicker because there are even more overlapping patrolling guards. And I hate, as I've, as we've established on previous podcasts, I, I do not enjoy that sitting there and w- watching all the patrol routes to decide mm-hmm. my fate because I know it will probably go wrong anyway. So what's the fucking point? Let's just get it over with. Let's alert the first guard. <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs> then the the uh, and then you know as you get further in the game, there are more and more and more and more enemies. So you get these even longer and more drawn out fights, which which become you know a case of uh, okay, I've upgraded my my uh, musket or whatever it is to hold uh, you know twenty bullets, but of course now I'm killing thirty guards on the bounce. So I'm actually having to do the the classic FPS thing of running through the pile of corpses and picking up bullets from from the corpses <laughs> to shoot the next wave of enemies who are coming in and then yeah by that point you are just playing a crap first person shooter like and oh, well, you see that yeah yeah I, I i kind of on those occasions because you had the level select thing as well where i would just go through and play it as yeah i wanted to ask you all about that but yeah. stealth bastard was the way that i like to play it is you just <laughs> hide in the corners and lay traps for everybody and that was the stuff there that are I some nasty was, traps yeah those yeah, are fun. you know like rewiring the electric fences so it fries them as they walk through and and, yeah, and setting that kind of stuff was quite good. fun that, yeah that's true actually that 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 is that is probably the way to play it if you're not going to be completely stealthy or non-lethal is to have as much fun at the expense of the of the enemies yeah. but there's only a certain amount of that you can do before it would still inevitably devolve into that sort of head headlong onrush of guards i found anyway maybe I, again i'm i'm willing to concede that maybe i just didn't gel with the design of the game or or in other words i, I think, was playing it wrong i think that's what i mean when i say stealth is kind of a, a, a given if if you want to avoid the 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 sort of action that, that you've found rather unsatisfying i guess leon um it's just a question of lethal versus non-lethal because the the traps and the darts i mean you don't have to use sleep darts you can use other kinds of darts to uh to actually kill the enemies and you can actually have oh, yeah. quite a lot of fun doing that as you, oh, said. Yes, you, you did, find yeah. yourself a hiding spot or you know you can quickly move around out of the way of guards using blink etc and get away from them mm. but you can actually still be relatively stealthy in terms of not just alerting every single guard in the place to your to your presence absolutely and but, i'm probably overplaying my, yeah, yeah yeah so i'm probably overplaying how how much of a problem this was in some ways because i was doing all those things the things that jay's just said the laying of traps hmm. and the rewiring of walls of light and and all that stuff and the you know the the finding sneaky high spots and shooting from there i was doing all that and hmm that was when I enjoyed the game and that's why overall uh, relatively I liked the game. I didn't certainly didn't hate it, but those bits where it degenerated definitely is the word into a bad first person shooter was a huge problem for me, but then maybe I just shouldn't be playing a game, which is largely about stealth. But then again, I was going into this having recently played both Metro last light and the last of us. Hmm. And I played both of those really quite stealthy and really enjoyed it because I know a lot of people who are more stealth oriented have said that the the stealth in those games is overpowered. But to me, as somebody who doesn't like 
difficult stealth, they were just spot on for me. Whereas mm. this game, for whatever reason, I found I got spotted more often. I don't think the stealth in the last of I haven't played Metro Last Light, so I, I have no opinion I on think that. You'd like but it, Josh. I, I should probably play it at some point. <laughs> um, maybe we can do a Kane and Red Summit. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, I don't think the the uh, stealth in The Last of Us was overpowered. Mm-hmm. I think I think they just framed it really differently. Um, Matt Lees uh, from VideoGamer.com made an excellent video about The Last of Us. And one of the things he said that was so great about the stealth in that game was that it was a pragmatic choice uh, to engage in the stealth. Like your, your decision to go stealthy was based on the fact that do I have enough bullets That's to it. just shoot these guys? Yeah. Do how many of them, are, uh, how many enemies are there and stuff like that. Whereas in dishonored, it's like, well, I want the good ending. <laughs> That's it. So, yeah, yeah. And, and I feel like the, the moral choice system in this game is kind of, harmful to the experience because Mm. i kind of wanted it to be like this kind of like well i can change up my tactics where uh whenever i want but because i was so focused on well i don't want the bad Mm. ending but in retrospect like i i don't think i would have been that bothered but yeah just accept you're going to get the bad ending early on and watch the other one on youtube (laughs) yeah maybe but um yeah yeah, i you you (sighs) The, they in fact they sold it as a game where you could just change your tactics whenever you liked and improvise but you just kind of ended up going down one route which mm. is it's the same problem a lot of games have like infamous has that problem as well like it has such mm. a binary moral choice system that you either play one way or the other and it it, it stilts uh, experimentation i like those games by the way i don't yeah. hate in the infamous games i just think that's a problem that a lot of games have to be honest i, I Mass just Effect had it as well a lot of people yeah, Matt, did, i did agree uh, yeah i was thinking, or, um, yeah, I was thinking of nice on... the old republic before it which is yeah. Yeah, the pre- yeah. precursor to those games. Yeah. And uh, as flawed as I think the Dragon Age games are, I think they've got it spot on mm. in having the characters be the thing that change mm. rather than this binary thing. So if in Dishonored, like different characters in your party were like, mm, I'm, I don't approve of that, and others were like, oh, good one, Corvo, I think that would have been more interesting rather than this kind of binary good ending, bad ending mm. thing. So the funny thing is, I think uh, we we had a, a long conversation before this podcast about how picking games apart till they're no fun anymore is a really shitty and pointless, reductive thing to do. <laughs> but I feel like that's exactly what we're doing, um, which is unfair because there are positives. Um, and yeah. I feel like maybe you know, like we're you know we're not we're not doing it out of any uh, malice or spite towards the game because I think at least three of us would say that we like the game. Um, but I think. Uh, you know, maybe we should celebrate more of the good things that the game does. Um, Jay, did you use any? I know you. You know, you you had a lot of fun just being a sadistic bastard. But did you use any of the extra powers like uh, possession and things like going in like through the water tunnels and and stuff like that? Or the, only the... that that came into play on the second time round uh-huh. for some reason. You know, um, when you get captured by Dowd and you escape. Mm. I, I struggled to try and find a way to traverse the, the waterways and stuff. And I ended up just swimming and trying to outswim those nasty fish in the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you And can it do didn't that. occur to me till the second playthrough that I could possess them and yeah, just swim yeah. <laughs> through. And it was just like, okay, that. And, you know, it, it's just, I, I suppose it, I didn't experiment 
I did eventually. By the time I'd, I'd finished with the game, I had played around with some of the things by just going into odd levels and, and you know, unlocking because you you basically accumulate your points and then you can just unlock those things as you want. So it's just I would just yeah. see what they did rather than. But I found that the, for the first and possibly for most of the second playthrough, I didn't. There was always those set few powers that you would use, the ones that felt the most useful, like, you know, extending the blink so you could go further and all that kind yeah. of stuff and the time stop and, and the rats. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but it really, there's some, of the, some of them felt a little useless. Or, mm. or maybe not useless, just they weren't emphasised how, how effective they could be if you used them. So there was no real... Uh, emphasis put to try to for experimentation at least well i guess maybe that's what the multiple endings are for as much as yeah. anything to encourage replays with different play styles in mind and the game certainly does allow that you've never got enough uh runes or money to buy everything no. have you which, no. which is crucial because if you did you, you know i think some people suggest that corvo becomes heavily overpowered as it is and actually that's another thing i wanted to to celebrate the game for it's not a big thing but I actually really enjoyed the video gaminess of simply looting everywhere, finding all the coins, yeah. finding all the stuff that's hidden in cupboards, unlocking safes, finding, um, working out in some cases, uh, combinations. You know, it was never mm. super taxing. The puzzles tended to be straightforward, but, you know, yeah, find all the numbers on a painting or work out mm. uh, puzzles from a clue. Um, and, um, and also, yeah, just actually using your your heart and um, bone charm, which are kind of perks. Uh, is that what they're called? Bone charms? I forget. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, locating those in the game world, and and they you know they they give you extra playtime, extra incentive to explore the world, and all that sort of stuff. And I'd I'd more fun with that than actually completing a lot of the missions. I think the it's heart's amazing. quite an interesting thing, though, isn't it? Because it, yeah. it tells you what the, the if you aim at a character, it tells you what that character's thinking. Mm. yeah so you, i kind of underused that i it sort of it was something that i played around with early on and then after a while you get you just get in the habit of just using it to find where the next mm. co de delicious collectible trinket is but yeah it's um i think there's something not so not dissimilar to that in psychonauts is it yes yeah, yeah. absolutely you can yeah you can read the minds of what various yeah. characters are saying and some of them have very incredibly witty uh inner mm. monologues going on that you otherwise wouldn't necessarily need to see. Yeah. We're covering that in a, in a future issue. Uh, so I should yeah, need to play. I think one thing I would say about uh, Decide, I really like the fact that you're often given a, a fairly defined section of the world to explore, but there are always concessions made to rooms and, and places and routes to take that... There's no there's not necessarily any other reason to go there. There's always rooms mm -hmm. where there's not really any guards patrolling, especially if you're playing a low chaos um, route like like I was or low chaos uh, playthrough. Um, but you would just go there and and find what there was to pick up. Sometimes it's a book to read. Sometimes it's just a couple of lockers there to to kind of loot. And sometimes it would play into uh, finding you a different path through the level. Um, and they do something similar with obviously. The idea, or unlike uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution, is you can actually do uh, a, a zero kills playthrough, um, whereby you kill absolutely right. no one, including your targets. And mm. the game and the levels change really significantly based mm. upon whether you're taking the 
the non-lethal or the lethal route. Through. Yeah, what's it? About? What's it called? You can um, neutralize them rather than yeah. Kill, rather than yeah. eliminate. Yeah, that, that, that's a great that's a great thing. There was the the golden cat levels, the one that really stood out to me with yes. that because you 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 get told Slackjaw, who's the local gang leader, wants to speak to you, and so you go and see him. He sa- he says, you know, if you get this art dealer's um, key to his safe, um, he'll take care of the twins who you mm. you want to, you know, he'll just that's the non lethal way. But what was interesting is once you once you go to the golden cat, you, you see this art dealer, you, he gives, you know, you get the combination or, or the key or whatever it is that you, you want. It's when on the way back, it only, I did, it didn't occur to me that I could go in his house because I had the, I, I then had access to it hmm. and it's this entire multi-floored. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a thing with paintings in there. So if you're after the paintings and the collectibles anyway, you kind of have to do it, but it, it never pointed this out. It just allowed you to, if if that's yeah. what you chose to do, you yeah. you know, that's it. And I I I replayed that level several times just because I liked the way that 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 was one of the levels that really stood out as how how much things change depending on how you play it. And it there's a lot of that in the game that isn't necessarily mm-hmm. signposted, so you can miss it quite easily. Yeah, normally in um, in games like Dead Space and The Last of Us, it's like if you want to go through this door, you have to give up something that you've that's a resource, mm. but yeah. there'll always be something where, you know, basically it's no, it's not like it's a gamble. It's like if you use the, the circuit board or the, or the, the shiv or whatever, there will be a shitload of more stuff worth more behind this door. Whereas in, in Dishonored, at least there was the interest of, well, I might, I might come across loads of guards or weepers or something in this place, you know, and there might, there might not be that much there. I mean, you know, there's going to be something, but there is a risk to the reward, not just yeah. a loser resource. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that golden cat level you're talking about, Jay, I think the thing that surprised me is um, you have to go into the golden cat, but it's quite a large area and it feels like mm-hmm. there's sort of separate wings to it almost. The main part of it where the two brothers were, I snuck my way in just to see them, but actually I didn't have to go there at all. I did not have to see the people I was sent to kill mm. whatsoever in that level. Um you have to sneak out with Emily, don't you? I think it's that level yeah. where you actually get Emily back. Yeah. So you have to go into it to, in order to get Emily out, but that's hopping through a window, unlock her door, sneak out down some back stairs, and she then meets you back at the um, the hound pits, doesn't she? Um, no, she, yeah, she's on the boat, isn't she? She's waiting with Sam. Yeah, yeah. And actually, you don't have to see this, for, for what the place is, this really colourful, quite different environment than you've seen throughout some of the other areas of the game up to that point. You you could almost not see any of it unless you took the initiative to go in and, and look around if you're doing that non-lethal option of basically buying them into slavery in their own minds, which is has got obviously a, a twisted irony, almost a twisted sense of humour to it. But I think it, it's it's quite brave. I think it has the unfortunate side effect of making you feel that if you're choosing either the the non-lethal or the lethal option, it, it does make you feel a little bit like you're being cheated out of the other side of that, whichever way you go. So you either get to see the golden cat, but you don't get the combination for this guy's house on the way back out, and you maybe don't get to see the upstairs garden area that you actually go into the golden cat through, which is which is quite uh, nice to, to see as well. Um, but I think they just about walk the line sensibly where 
I didn't feel necessarily rewarded for the stealth, but I felt quite like I was accomplishing something and getting to see a part of the game that I wouldn't have otherwise by taking the non-lethal route. Um, and I think vice versa. If you take the lethal route, you may feel like you're missing out on some aspects, but you're getting to see, particularly in the Golden Cat level, one of the nicest designed areas of the game, I think. Well, I think that, that it, it's you, you can gain everything depending any way you want to play that the problem is is it, like it does impact on the very end with the you know yeah. the the good or bad but like you can go through and kill everybody and you can kill the art dealer and take his key and go back to his house anyway regardless yeah, but yeah. it's it's you know i like the fact that they did that but like you said it impacted on the end the concept there was a consequence right at the end yeah, depending sure, on how yeah. you wanted to play it mm. if they'd removed that it would have felt i mean i had a lot of fun playing it but you know um yeah, one other thing I wanted to celebrate about the game, very probably a small thing, but um, I just liked the design, the the invention that was the sort of magic quelling hurdy-gurdy. I thought it was a really cool idea. Just <laughs> yeah. uh, a, a musical instrument that the overseers could carry around with themselves that if they gr- if they grinded it like an organ, played exactly the right note that would neutralise your magical powers. Just such a cool, you know, and obvi- obvious gameplay reasons, but... Um, yeah. Make make it a make it a, a sort of a, yeah. A lot, a lot of people have um, in our three word reviews that the, the word steampunk comes up. A lot of people use it as two words incorrectly, but we'll let them off. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, I, I don't. I never quite felt that it was 100% steampunk. It didn't have quite no, the brass and rivets, uh, Jules no. Verne, Charles Babbage thing going on but for me. But now, nowadays, steampunk's kind of just a, a catch-all for a. a <laughs> A world where you've got two, yes, two disparate. Um, that's true. Disparate facets um, that are kind of crammed together. Whether technology it be, from the future, yeah, and from technology the past. from one, yeah. or, or or magic from one aspect, and and then a very Final Fantasy VII style yeah. industrial world that maybe that it's built on that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, but but yes, I, I guess in in modern parlance, steampunk will do. But yeah, not technically correct. Yes, yeah, so Knife of Dunwall came out a few months later, relatively recently, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, a couple of months ago, I think. It was a proper chunk of DLC, um, self-contained story, um, three missions, in which he played as Dowd, um, who came to the forefront, um, told his sort of uh, side story or story that was going on at the same time as Corvo's, because mm. you see the end of uh, Dowd's story in the main game um but they also did a few little intelligent tweaks i felt to the to the the game such as um unifying the the this whatever it's called the second sight and the the heart ability so you no longer yeah. had to both pump the heart and uh look through walls and they, they were they were combined into one thing that made a lot of sense um by and large, I thought it was a really strong piece of DLC. Um, I gave it a really good review, but that was based on the idea that people who loved the game were going to be buying it. Because I think for people who love Dishonored, I think Knife of Dunwall is a fantastic add-on. It's three really excellent missions that tell a story that's probably at least as interesting as the one in the main game. Um, and also, you know, adds adds a few little tweaks. So, yeah, I, I liked it. I think the environments are better designed in the Knife of Dunwell. They're they're just slightly more 
exciting and interesting because yeah. you uh, visit a uh, a whale slaughterhouse mm, mm. and that was really interesting just seeing this massive creature strung up and just oh, wailing really? in pain you're like jesus yeah. this is awful and it was one of the few moments like i i never really went whoa during the main game mm. of dishonored but i went whoa when i saw that yeah. mm. um it was it was really quite a sight um it, it kind of didn't like later on, there wasn't wasn't really anything as spectacular as that, but I, I just got the sense that uh, the the devs had kind of learnt some lessons yeah, from I the agree. main game yeah. and um, and tweak. And I ended up kind of enjoying the DLC a bit more than the main campaign. Yeah, I, think so. I still have some basic problems with it. Mm. Like I still think Blink is overpowered, uh, possibly more so in the mm. DLC because time actually freezes when you use it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I, and also the character you play as is more interesting, mm. uh, and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it's, if you really like Dishonored, I would say it's essential you, if you love Dishonored. Yeah. If mm. you like Dishonored, you, you should download it. Uh, and if you're, if you were kind of a bit iffy on Dishonored, maybe download this. Cause I think it's actually a, a better product overall. But James, than the main game. you started playing it, um, already a bit iffy on Dishonored to say the least, uh, and you couldn't even get through it. I got to that whale room and thought that's the most interesting thing I've seen by some margin versus anything else I'd seen up to that point. I, it, it just highlighted for me that um, when, I, when I was playing through Dishonored first time around, I, I was enjoying it. I was kind of all caught up in the story and certainly caught up in my way of playing the game. Um, but over time, over the past sort of seven months or six months since I, um, since I completed it, it's kind of dulled for me over time. Um, and and what Knife of Dunwall did was highlight a lot of the things that actually I felt didn't work so well in the game. And and I found it tough to see past those. Um, in the end, I, I got to that whale room and thought, wow, that whale's really interesting. It's a shame I'm not enjoying anything else about this. Um, I just... Dull was was the the word that was springing to mind. The guards are repeating the most tedious lines as you walk around, and if you're being stealthy, you hear a lot of that um, because they're walking around as you try and you know spot their routes and work out where your openings are. Um, I I also was reminded that if you're playing stealthily, even as I do, where if you screw up, you reload. It shouldn't ever feel like trial and error so much as it should feel like poking and prodding and seeing where the weakness is and and seeing where the seeing where the route through the puzzle if you like is and it it just felt a bit too much like i'll hide in this doorway peek out oh no that's the wrong time they spotted me peek out oh no that's the wrong time they spotted me it didn't feel like poking and prodding so much as just i'm just going to keep banging my head against the wall until something works and i know that sounds like i'm Sounds like two sides of the same coin, but it felt very fudged is the only word I can describe it for. The the whale carcass that's in one of those rooms, the enemies can see you straight through it, even though you can't see them. That's that, Okay, that might be a bug, but it just goes to show that actually the, the stealth, to me, it wasn't as robust as it needed to be. And so I thought I can continue muddling my way through this for, you know, what probably is three or four hours worth of gameplay mm. um or i can kind of cut my losses and admit that there's a lot of stuff i really like about dishonored but there's just 
a few key things that are holding me back from really enjoying it as much as I, I hoped I would. Um, so yeah, it it just seemed like yeah, I guess as you guys are saying, if you really love Dishonored. Then the Knife of Dumbledore DLC is it's more Dishonored and it's tweaked to suit you absolutely to a T. Yeah. But if there's stuff that that wrinkles you about it um, fundamentally, then it 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 might be that some of the tweaks they've made actually smoothed that over. But for me, it just enhanced it. it no, it's it. it's not a re- yeah, it's no revolution. It, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't change things that dramatically. I still end up in the same situation as described earlier on several occasions. Mm. But Josh is right. I think the the levels are more interesting and more complex and better you know better designed. And uh, Dowd had a few new. Uh, you know, weapons and things—the kind of things that Jay would enjoy using, sort of different mm. mines and traps and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, there's one more piece to come, apparently. Uh, right. So for the the rest of Dowd's story, um, called the Brigmore Witches, and and the, I think one of the best things about uh, Knife of Dumbledore is that it, it's more like a. Um, it feels like a proper expansion. It doesn't just feel like something that could have been, you know, ripped out the game or whatever. It feels like they worked on this separately. I believe they did. And as Josh said, I think they learned from feedback from the, from the main game. And it makes me, you know, they're not going to reprogram the game from the ground up to make it, you know, perfect or whatever. This isn't going to be dishonored too, but I imagine the second expansion will probably be even more refined than the first Mm. was because they seem to care they seem to be listening and interestingly when when dishonored first came out and i was i was looking at the reviews and it's worth saying you know the reviews were extraordinarily positive yeah. um looking at the uh xbox 360 version set of reviews simply because it had the most reviews but 54 positive reviews two mixed and those two mixed reviews are both seven out of ten this this game did not get even a middling review from anybody mm. really you know, seven and above should be a good game, um, but it, it's sort of based on based on you, James, and other people I've seen and and other correspondents. It almost feels like, with with some exceptions, opinion on this game sort of has. I think it was one of those that was perhaps very well received at the time because of relative, maybe not low expectations, but not many expectations. And See, I, I wonder if the opposite isn't true. I wonder if there's not a lot of people who are fans of Thief fans of Deus Ex and Deus Ex Human Revolution aside felt starved of those games and because mm. of the people involved you know there's there's a lot of people who who sing the the praises of Dishonored from from the rooftops and I I I like Thief I haven't played much of it but I really like it and and I absolutely adore Deus Ex and I don't get the feelings those games gave me from from Dishonored in the way that I expected to Mm-hmm. And I I can't help that but feel that a lot of the really positive response was from people who really felt like it it did give them um, a bit more of that. And there's a lot of a lot of overwhelmingly positive responses. You say, Leon. I mean, we're we're talking a lot of game of the year, you know, chatter. In, in the top it. tens of a lot yeah, of, yeah, it, it maybe didn't win that many. I don't know. Probably won a few, but um, I think it was in in a lot of people's yeah. top fives, top tens, sort of. And yeah. and yeah, that I, I, I certainly I struggled to 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 get that sort of uh, feeling about about this game, but it it did it does and did surprise me even at the height of my enjoying it as I was playing it that 
that there was so overwhelmingly a positive response to this because to to me it feels like it's aiming for those games that that many of the people who who were leads on Dishonored were involved with. Um, it it didn't feel like it was capturing it, and I feel like for a lot of people, on the basis that those people were making this game, it, maybe it did just capture it a little better and. And yeah, the responses were similar to the responses to something like Deus Ex. And yeah, I, I was surprised. So, so, so effectively there, you're using the word overrated. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, <laughs> um, Our favorite. I'm just teasing. Well, we didn't get any uh, three word reviews this week, week featuring either the words and uh, band words overrated or underrated. <laughs> so <laughs> that's something. Um, one more thing before we go on to hear from our community and find out what the people really do think of Dishonored. Um, anything to be said on the difference between the silent protagonist of Corvo in the main game and the speaking protagonist of Dowd in Knife of Dunwall? Um, in, any strong preferences or feelings either way? Didn't notice, uh, to be uh, honest. Um, I, I was. I would say that um, I'm usually very much in the silent protagonist camp, um, but in this case, I did actually prefer playing as Dowd. Um, you and I are main... so similar, Josh. That's exactly <laughs> my my exact same thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm kind of confused as to why, and maybe if you explain why you feel that way, I oh. may agree with you. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think maybe <laughs> it's the lack of with, you know, we've, you and I have spoken before of our love of, uh, Bioshock one and half-life two and their silent protagonist. And I think maybe it makes more sense in, in those stories and in those phenomenally rich worlds. Whereas as we discussed right uh, earlier in the, in the issue, we both felt that the world of Dunwall, for all its good intentions, and we and we recognise a lot of people, you know, really like it, Jay included. We weren't quite so sold on that world. So yeah, it, the, if the world isn't speaking to you, then maybe you need the character to kind of draw you in and and engage I, with the other characters a bit more. I think that's it. Yeah, I think it's because in Half Life Two. The world and the supporting cast are so interesting that I just want to be me in that world. Yeah. Whereas in Dishonored, I wanted because that that other stuff wasn't as engaging. I wanted to play as an interesting character. Yeah, I think that's spot on. Brilliant, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear from our many correspondents. Um, in, we're going to start with Ryan. Actually, Ryan Astley. Uh, who is a video games artist professionally. Uh, we hear from him from time to time. Um, and I think, you know, this is really interesting. Um, you know, this is a guy who's worked on some some big games in his time, like Crackdown 2 and uh, Epic Mickey 2, stuff like that. Um, and he says the art direction and environment design in Dishonored is up there with Half-Life 2. And even on 360, where the textures are very low res and there are hardly any normal maps used, it still looks wonderful. The good thing is the textures rely more on use of colour than defining form. They mostly look hand-painted. I just wonder if the PC version makes use of normal maps on all surfaces, as it would add so much more when you stop to look around. I think Dishonored would be the one game that I would have loved to have worked on. Such brilliant art direction. 
And uh, interestingly, after he tweeted that, I think it was Harvey Smith himself, one of the designers on the game, uh, tweeted straight back saying, yeah, that's that's because our art team are awesome. Um, I don't think the PC version does use any more normal mapping. The game still has that very, as I said, for want of the correct term, cell shaded look. It mm. it looks flatter than a normal you know the, a game that that we'd expect. It doesn't. I assume that I, th- I believe that normal mapping is. I don't know why how it got that name, but it's it's basically it's things that make it makes things look like they're real textures. Yeah, you know? bumpy, basically. Yeah, yeah, bumpy. Yeah. Um, and no, D- Dishonored looks uh, smooth. It looks yeah. like a low poly game, even though it may well not be. Um, but running it at full spec on on a PC at sixty frames a second, it looks really nice. Yeah, you know, it, it does look nice, but you can see that it is a simplified, stylized world. To its benefit, I say, I'd say, and uh, and Bioshock is definitely the touchstone there. Bioshock was never the sharpest looking game, but because of its um, because of its design and because of the art in it, it, it stood the test of games that may be actually technically more advanced. And I think Dishonored does the same. The the art in it and the the way it's presented and the the clever way that the art the art team you know have put together a game that looks stylized, but also has that sort of slightly realistic look to it. Um, but without necessarily aging like a game that was going for pure realism would, um, without having those telltale unrealistic signs, because it's not a realistic-looking game in that way. Josh, do you want to take Devin York's email? Okay. Uh, Devin York says, When I first heard about Dishonored, I was immediately fascinated by it. It had a unique look and atmosphere with a dark and haunting art style and seemed to draw on gameplay elements from some of my favourite games like Bioshock and Half-Life. First impressions were great with the lightning-fast blink ability and the wondrous arsenal of weapons and spells. It quickly became one of my favourite games of 2012 with its stealth action approach to combat and the various paths that you could take while in the city of Dunwall. The game also had a unique feel to it, even though it was a mix of various different games like Bioshock 2 and Thief. However, the true star of the show is the city of Donwall itself. The environmental design is great, with the Victorian era meets steampunk doing a fantastic job of immersing the player. But unfortunately, not everything is perfect about Dishonored. Sword combat can be a hassle when there are too many enemies around, and I don't understand why players always need a knife in their left hand. I I agree. Surely we could choose another piece of equipment to wield to expand our strategies, but we are forced to always have a sword out at all times. Also, there was no reason for Corvo to be a silent protagonist. Corvo had a motivation, personality, and a group of characters he cared about, and yet Arcane decided to keep Corvo silent. Why they chose it, I don't know, but it definitely dampened the experience for me. But overall, I greatly enjoyed my experience with Dishonored and had a blast playing it. I have high hopes for this new IP, and I hope Arcane takes what they learnt from this game and make a fantastic sequel. Yeah, it was something I meant to say earlier about uh, the the you know the new IP, the fantastic sequel. We mentioned maybe a prequel might be a good idea. Um, 
when the when the game first came out and and was getting fantastic reviews before I'd played it, but was inter- you know became interested in it and seeing the hype for it build up, I was uh, I was thinking like. I wouldn't it be, you know, wouldn't it be great if this was one of those games that is just a one-off and there is no, it doesn't become a franchise and this team, you know, basically go on to, you know, make whatever they want to make next. But now having played it and it came so close in so many ways to, to being fantastic for me rather than knocking out the park at anyone, I kind of almost do want to see a sequel or a prequel because I do believe, you know, I, I do have a lot of faith in in those you know, those people, they've worked on such great games and they seem to have tried such a lot of stuff in Dishonored that so nearly comes together and so nearly works, but not quite that I would be interested in, in seeing an, another game. But, yeah. um, yeah. Jay, do you want to take Magic Joes? Finished this evening, really enjoyed it overall. And it particularly picked up about a third of the way in for me uh, when I had some upgrades. I didn't stick to a completely no-kill playthrough as it felt it was restricting some of the more creative combat options. It would be nice if there was a play playground mode once you've finished uh, where you didn't use up, use up all the mana um, and you could literally totally whirlwind through. Uh, Buckled Kipper, uh, as you can tell, some of these are from back probably about November time, I guess, from the forum. Uh, always nice to get some reactions as they were at the time finished this last night and loved it it's a really engrossing game world which really sucked me in this does stealth better than any other game i can recall james carter i played mostly in stealth but would resort to violence when my skill failed me and more importantly when the story compelled me to and unlike most stealth games this balance felt very organic rather than a clunking gear change yeah see i Um, I don't agree with that part that's uh, exactly my problem with it Play Mark of the Ninja by Cold Kipper. It's all I'm going to say. Because if you think, like, okay, it's, it's your opinion and you're entitled to it, but I think there are games out there that do stealth considerably better. And this was live, you know, a month, uh, you know, a, true, a couple of weeks enough. after completion. He may have changed his opinion since then, but, yeah. an, you know, an interesting and absolutely, you know, his subjective response, but it does surprise yeah. me. Uh, James? Toffer. Uh, yeah. Toffer says, overall, I love this game. It's designed by a group of people making a game that pretty much shaped my childhood and early teenage years. Half-Life, System Shock 2, Thief, Deus Ex, etc. So in some ways I'm biased, but there are far too many positives to take away from such a title. I do hope there's a sequel or perhaps even a prequel. Ah, yes. It was Toffer who yeah. Yeah. suggested a prequel. Yeah, uh, Josh, Alex... Alex79UK uh, says, This game bored the hell out of me in the end. Didn't really enjoy it at all. I don't generally enjoy stealth games anyway. I never liked Thief. Hadn't at this point ever played a Hitman game and the Splinter Cell series I could take or leave. This interest uh, This interested me, though. I like the look of the setting, the graphics style, the abilities you could unlock... But as I played the game, I just found myself becoming bored by it. I think the game had lots of good ideas wrapped up in a pretty dull world. The graphical style that looked so impressive in the early screenshots just looked washed out when playing. The whole tone was one of smudgy browns, greens and greys. It was like playing with pond water. I thought the missions and locations were very repetitive, with the only standout mission being visiting the brothel. I don't have a lot 
I don't have a lot to say about the game, really. It didn't even inspire me to rant off about it. I just found the whole experience thoroughly meh, and the ending, terrible. I just want to say I called it on podcast. Oh, yeah, true. Uh, yeah, I certainly don't agree with them about the colour palette. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I think the colour, the actual the palette is, is cool. I like it. I find yeah. it attractive. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's worth bearing in mind that if if you're trying to make uh, some of the streets look almost slum-like and certainly uh, grimy and downbeat, then there's a certain palette that goes with that. But where the game, you know, certainly some of the interiors, the more opulent houses that you visit, there's there's plenty of colour there, and and it's it speaks to the design of the world and trying to create a world that feels um, believable rather than necessarily one that wows you with what it can do rather than what it should do maybe baker's 12 says uh, loved the style and the story of the game but had a few problems with the structure of how the levels work together and a few gameplay issues i found the first few levels very hard to be stealthy as the game clearly wants you to try and be then once you start to get a few new powers under your belt it becomes a lot easier to be the shadowy finger that you should be only to change change the level structure from a hitman-esque style to a get from a to b style and removing the compulsion i had to try and fail to ghost the levels as for the gameplay issues, leaning, really? I think they should never have made it into the game. A cover mechanic like that of Deus Ex Human Revolution would have worked so much better. On the whole, I really enjoyed this game, and to me it felt like a good introduction to the world, which can be built upon and expanded to make a truly amazing game. Dishonored is a game that I was looking forward to for a long time. The involvement of a, of a number of people behind games that I love was more than enough to pique my interest. Harvey Smith and Ricardo Bear, or Barre, I'm not sure, from Deus Ex, and Viktor Antonov from Half-Life 2. When I finally got my hands on the game, I have to admit that I was initially disappointed. The mechanics felt imprecise, and the design of the characters and HUD felt all off in a way that I couldn't put my finger on. Yet, over the course of the first few missions, I found myself warming to the game, and eventually I realised that I was having a really good time. While I still dislike the big-handed design of the characters, the city of Dunwall is a beautiful environment to explore. I went for a stealthy playthrough on hard with no kills, and the game definitely put up a decent challenge. I was disappointed by the mid-plot twist. Is it a twist if you can see it coming from a mile away? As I felt the following few hours of gameplay were dull and repetitive. Yet the game soon picked up again, and the bittersweet tone that the game finishes on felt really satisfying to me. I feel Dishonored was a very good start, but I would expect the inevitable sequel to be a big improvement. The environments in Dishonored never felt as big or as side-mission-packed as I would have liked them, a criticism I would also aim towards Deus Ex Human Revolution. And I would expect the freedom of next-generation hardware will allow the designers to realise their vision of this world on a much larger canvas. I want to go on one of those whaling boats. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, another pa- person who liked the game but still wants it, uh, an improved sequel. Our Brazilian correspondent, Todinho, says, Having never played any of the Thief games, my only real experience with first-person stealth was with Deus Ex and a couple of other games like Fallout New Vegas that have stealth in them, so I was really excited to see what this game was all about. In the end, I was both impressed and disappointed. On one hand, the gameplay was very fun and slick with multiple ways to solve a level depending on your playstyle and with a lot to discover if you care enough to explore, but never punishing you just for blasting through. On the other hand, though, the story is terrible. The world of Dishonored is interesting and there's some cool characters, but on the whole, the story just doesn't work for me. Things just happen for some reason and you're supposed to care. The fact that Corvo is silent to everything that happens around him doesn't help much either. 
On the whole, I really like the game. And if one thing, it has made me want to play the Thief games to see how they play. I just felt bad that the mechanics had to serve such a weak story. A uh, strange one here from Robotic Monkey that I like to uh, I'd like to share. He says, I'm a terrible person. I'll start out my post saying that. I really am. I love the look of this game, that steampunky look. I find it interesting. I like the look of the gameplay. There are some truly inspired or mental videos out there showing how people have bent and twisted the gameplay mechanics to make some pretty remarkable things happen. But I never bought the game. The title of the game was a mental stumbling block. Sure, the spelling of the title is written in American, but that's not what stopped me. Look at the cover. What do you see? The title of the game, a guy wearing some kind of mask with a stabby knife and a glowing magic hand. Some post-apocalyptic steampunky background, all wrapped up in an atmospheric grey colour scheme. Sure, all of those things are there, but all I see is the word dish. Just floating there at the top, looking at me. Dish. I can't get over it. I'm a terrible person. (laughs) and finally snaky dave i love it despite its flaws when i examine it from a distance i know it's got problems but there really is something about the moment to moment gameplay blinking across rooftops dagger in hand feels very engaging and fun to me the flexibility of the game is to be commended as well again even though it doesn't really hang together properly all of the game's toys seem to be mostly centered on killing which is an issue as the game only really works in stealth for me at least and both the world and your upgrade system don't seem as fully developed as they could have been. As for the narrative, the characters are crap, and the plot's even worse. It's a shame, because the setting and art design are so good. feels like such a waste of potential. There are a lot of games that I acknowledge are great, but have issues or problems which distract me. Dishonored, however, has massive issues, but when I play it, I just don't really care. There really is a lot to be said for a good art style and a fun central mechanic. I think it's interesting, because I don't think the plot is... Awful. I think it's basic, and I think the depth is exactly as Jay said. The depth's there if you take your time, explore, and read everything you can read. I think it's unfortunate that there's a bit more tell and a little too, you know, maybe not quite as much show as there should be in terms of Mm. having to read the backstory to the world. But clearly, the depth is is there. It's just the story as it's presented throughout the game is is a little basic. I think the only bit that struck me as as not working was was the twist um it it was completely unsurprising it was equally just completely almost inconsequential um in terms of it the game's effect on on me personally um so that part of the story i don't think worked but i don't think it made it a bad story it's just there's there's a bit of fleshing out could have been done by bringing some of what they had in the backdrop in the books and and some of the other character backgrounds that could have been brought a bit more to the fore that would have really made it seem a lot more nuanced than perhaps it did. Now we have a fair pile of three-word reviews to get through. So in the usual fashion, gents, uh, all your names start with J, but I'm sure you can work out who goes first. <laughs> uh, that would be me. Yeah. Cameron yeah. Phillips says, out-hitmanning hitman. Uh, Jerome McIntosh says, stylized fun stealth. Chris Spann says, got suddenly bored. <laughs> Glenn Watts. Blink, stab, blink. David Turner, cut the neck. Uh, Chris O'Regan, steampunk stabbing. Stuart Cullen says, blink of greatness. Ryan Astley, it was his game of 2012. Alex Shaw says, meticulous invisible traversal. Uh, Chris Eason, blink stealth fun. 
Ian Stephan says, forced towards stealth. Vimesy74 says, steampunk thief. Tatsun says, blink, blink, stab. Uh, Daniel Gomez, blink to win. <laughs> Devon York says, rats, rats everywhere. The Sonic Mole says, it's blinking great. Zephyrlite says, revenge is sweet. Alan Wilkinson says, fun, but soulless. Martin Baker says, potential for, for sequel. Yeah. Um, yes, that's, soulless is, a, is a, always an interesting one. Such a, such a tough thing to define, but yet you know exactly what he means in terms of how he felt about it. <sighs> so uh, we should wrap up with pithy summaries as we're running long. Um, your overall overriding uh, takeaway and your recommendation or not, starting with James. Um, yeah, I guess I've summed up how I feel about it. Uh, the, the world has a lot of potential. I don't think it necessarily all came through. As a stealth game, I think the choice isn't between stealth and no stealth so much as lethal and non-lethal, and I think it felt a bit fuzzy for me. I'd prefer something a bit tighter. It felt like uh, Blink was too much of a, a crutch, uh, to use Josh's word. Uh, for level design that maybe wasn't quite as tight as it should have been for a stealth game um, and mechanics that maybe could do with a little bit more tightening with a screwdriver. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's it's a good game. I don't think it's a great game. I think there's a lot of potential. Yes, same here, really. Really wanted to love it. Really admire all the obvious effort and work and concepts that have gone into it, but it doesn't quite all gel hang together for me um i certainly didn't hate playing it far far from it um a lot of the time i was having fun um apart from when the levels devolved into into a bad shooter but uh, there were a lot of good times um searching and looting and doing nasty things to people from afar um but it was it wasn't one of those games where between sessions i was desperate to come back to it it was like it was like oh, okay i'll play some more dishonored there was no there was no real drive or desire to to see more um perhaps that's partly due to the the lack of great characters or or uh, an amazing story or indeed as josh pointed out some there's no sort of stunning audio design or, or things like that so yeah um i think everyone's right when they've said a lot of potential um but the game the game can break down a little bit, but uh, overall, yeah, good, not great. Um, <laughs> overrated. <laughs> <laughs> Josh? Um, I, you guys have pretty much said what I f uh, think, to be honest. I, I think there are a lot of good ideas here, and there are moments in this game that I really enjoy, but it just doesn't entirely work as, uh, you know... A, a, a complete piece for me it's just moments of greatness but as a whole i just i like it i don't love it um i think there is potential for a sequel there i'm i re in fact i really want there to be a sequel to this game because i think there is an opportunity to capitalize on the foundations that they've laid down here that they could really make something great if they learn the lessons that they that, that they need to learn from this first game um, hire somebody who knows how to do sound design hire a really good writer and I think the sequel will be something special now Jay I deliberately decided to finish with you because I, I was pretty sure you liked it the most so we need mm. a ringing endorsement well I'm going to say you know as, as people have said the story I, I found it functional 
Um, but I enjoyed the hell out of this game. I enjoyed playing it. I had a lot of fun in the levels, uh, experimenting, you know, exploring. Um, and I think when you do that, you know, if, if you're that way inclined, you can have a lot of fun playing this game and going back and replaying levels to see the variations that you can do in them. Um, and there's another thing that we, you know, that I really liked about it was, which was, it didn't have a fucking multiplayer attack on. <laughs> um, it was it a single. Have been a terrible multiplayer, wouldn't well, it? Well, you. The thing is, it, I guess maybe because it's first person, people naturally assume it would work as a. I think you're right. It would. It, it, you can imagine it could be a god awful um, multiplayer, but they didn't even attempt it. Which I'm really, I'm really glad yeah. to see a developer these days just t- to to go and do a single player game without this sort of this seemingly. Uh, you know, mandatory. Yeah, this the thing where we've got to tack on that. Well, uh, you know, whether they're good or bad, it's irrelevant. They they always seem to be added to games these days, and I I, I don't care for it. You know, I like to see a single player game. And, and credit to Bethesda for not demanding that they've they've been actually they've got a good record in that respect. Mm. I, I would yeah. say Skyrim's got no multiplayer, but they're actually that would to be make, awesome if it was co-op. make Elder Scrolls on online. Or that yeah. in the same brink, they made an online game. They didn't tack it on yeah, to true. the back of a single player. So mm. they're keeping it distinct. I think Jay is absolutely spot on. Yeah, it's, mm. it's notable. Sorry, Jay. We no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, we've 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 you know, we've we've gone over our individual thoughts and and feelings towards gamers over the course of the show. Anyway, so I, I think it's so there. I just if you if you like this kind of thing, you're going to have a lot of fun with it. I wonder if there's any correlation. I'm sure it wouldn't follow, you know, if we if we polled all of our correspondents. And and as I said at, at the top of the show, uh, we we did have a widespread of uh, of feelings about this game. Um, you know, from only a couple of strong negatives, really, but a lot of people wavering around in the middle, and and a few and a few positives. Um, but I do wonder if there is a correlation between the fact that Jay played it on easy. James played it on the hardest setting, disliked it the most. Jay liked it the most, and Josh and I both played it on normal, and we're kind of like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> maybe it's a maybe it's one of those games that's just more fun on easy. Could be. I mean, I'm not sure about this game because I didn't test it, but generally, stealth games go one of two routes. They either up the stealth, you know, Metal Gear Solid style on mm. uh, harder difficulties, or actually they make no difference. You know, Deus Ex: Human Revolution. There was very little difference between playing it on the hardest difficulty stealthily. And yeah. the easiest difficulty, yeah, uh, splinter cell true. convictions, the same because um, it tends to be you know damage and the combat, and yeah, yeah, health, yeah, much, so. yeah. yeah. Who knows? Um, of course, the knife of Dummel DLC does actually add an even harder, harder difficulty. Um, who knows what that's like? But as you say, if you're playing it on ultra stealth, probably doesn't make any difference. Anyway, it's the kind of game that's uh, it's got cheaper as they do, as they usually have by the time we cover them on Cana Rinse, even if it's a relatively recent game, as with this one. Um, my guess is it's going to turn up on PS Plus at some point as well. I don't know why. I've just got that hunch. It feels like that kind of game. Uh, so that would be an excuse for all subscribers to play it. <laughs> you can play along with Cana Rinse Volume 2, other things. Uh, next issue is the Minecraft issue. I'm away on holiday. We'll leave you in the hands of uh, Darren Gargett. Then I'm back for Tomb Raider. This year's Tomb Raider. Following that is El Shaddai Ascension of the Metatron. This year's DMC Devil May Cry. Deadly Premonition. 
After that, it's Star Fox and Star Fox 64, or Star Wing and Lilac Wars, uh, 20 years old. Just about around now is the original Star Fox or Star Wing. Tom Clancy's Clancy, there you go. Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, Chaos Theory. Fahrenheit, Indigo Prophecy, whichever one you're playing. Super Meat Boy, L.A. Noir, Psychonauts. And Heavy Rain is issue 100. Still haven't managed to put this at the top of the show, but you can buy Cana Rinse merchandise now at canarinse.spreadshirt.co.uk. We have a very nice range of high quality fashion wear. Or I'm, I'm wearing wear. main right now. Are you? Yeah. Cool. Take a look at our quick rinse videos on the blog and the Cana Rinse YouTube channel. Loads of cool stuff up there. We're on Twitter at Cana Rinse and Facebook, Cana Rinse. Uh, we do enjoy your subscriptions, reviews, and ratings on iTunes, of course. You can download the periodical from the website, canarince.com, which is the uh, interactive electronic magazine, including podcast videos and articles. We have a Minecraft server. You can search for that. And, of course, we have a forum, canarince.com slash forum. All of it can be found via canarince.com. Just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank James Carter, Jay Taylor, and Joshua Garrity, and we'll leave you with some... I feel really mean, being mean to Daniel Licht, the composer. So we'll leave you with some surprisingly grand music that we just failed to appreciate when we were playing the game. Until next time, goodbye.